Okay, so welcome to Conversations. Um, this uh, is a series that, uh, like you said before, has been happening for quite some time here, as long as I've been here. I've been, this is when I started, when I first got here at Otter Creek. And we go through different topics, and we discuss them, and see where the time takes us. So the way that this works, we have our panel members introduce themselves, who they are, what they do, potentially here in the city, if they're a part of Otter Creek, how long that's been, if they're a part of another community, what that looks like. Um, we'll share a little about who they are, what they do, and after that, we'll go back and then we'll hear um, their thoughts on today's topic, which is culture appropriation. Um, I picked this topic because it is something that, I mean, even as recently as like this weekend, the, there was a New York Times article about this very topic. So it is something that is very um, relevant, a conversation that is happen, happening often. And kind of the underbelly of why we do this series is to help us as Jesus people to think deeply, critically, and have some good discussions about all these different things that are happening in our culture, whether that is just the culture at large or even within our own Christian culture. So, that being said, here we go. We'll start down here, and then uh, we'll come this way, and then we'll start with you as opening thoughts. And after I have the opening thoughts, then we'll open it up for you all to ask questions and make comments. Hello, Patrick, thanks for having me. I'm Jeff Magruder. Uh, my wife and I and uh, three kids have been attending Harder Creek for five years, five or six years now. Uh, I'm a banker by trade. I'm a native Nashvilleian. Um, very active in the community, um, and uh, I look forward to having this discussion. So. Cool. Thanks. Uh, my name is Luke Watson. I am one of the owners of Third Coast Comedy Club. I'm an improviser. Patrick, thanks for making me do this. Oh, and, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have been to Otter Creek a few times. My sister is Mandy Stickle, and uh, so I don't know if you know her. But anyway, the last time I was here was last Easter, so good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your, your you checkup. Are you recording this? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a trend now. You, that's a trend. Yeah, I've got it down next Easter. i got to do it yeah. again. Here, I'll, I'm going to do this. So just, yeah. <laughs> this has been recorded. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, you'll be fine. Only three people listen to the podcast. My so name is Josh Graves. <laughs> Josh Graves. <laughs> um, my name is Josh Henderson. Uh, I moved to Nashville in 1998. And uh, spent some, I climbed the corporate ladder for a while. We got to Seattle, did some stuff. Moved to Scottsdale, Arizona, did some stuff. Came back to Nashville and um, decided I didn't want to do the corporate ladder thing anymore. And uh, so chilled for a while and decided I want to be a teacher. And so I taught metro schools for 10 years. Uh, metro high schools, Antioch High School, Glencliff High School. Uh, and actually, uh, my first year, I taught at um, Cameron Middle School, which was the black high school uh, in Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't even know what I didn't know at the time. And th those 10 years were really uh, uh, challenging, but even more so powerful and beneficial personally to me experience. Uh, concurrently, I was also a realtor, and I've been a realtor in Nashville for, for 13 years. Uh, I'm married to Ken Switzer, my father-in-law, he's an elder here, I'm married to his daughter, and we have two children. Uh, so there we go. Okay. All right, thanks. Thanks, guys, we're here. We'll start with you. So just kind of give us your, when you hear the term or you hear conversations about this particular topic, yeah. what kind of comes to mind and what's been your experience and what's been your 
insight and your own perspective about this? Yeah, I, I probably it makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, it makes if I'm just being and I'll I'll just be candid and, and transparent here and, and ask for grace. Um, but it honestly makes me uncomfortable um, because um, I'm a middle-aged white guy and um, I, you know, 10 years teaching in Metro, um, I really learned uh, more so than I knew existed um, some pain um, that is very real and is ongoing um, that I wasn't aware of and um, I don't, I, I want to do the right thing. And I don't know what that looks like a lot of times. Um, also, it makes me feel charged, um, and this is a this is that's positive energy to to acknowledge uh, the wrongs that are involved with cultural appropriation. It makes me uncomfortable as well because it's is with all things it's, it's politicized, and there's a power dynamic, and. On whatever end of the political spectrum, right? Whatever end of the political spectrum, and it's being you know leveraged for power, uh, kind of all over the place. But really, at the core of it, as someone who wants to and strives to follow the teachings of Jesus, and as someone who has an influence in, in my circles, I feel really charged to say, "This is what I've seen," and. I think it's wrong to take something from people and make it into a comedy or make it into entertainment for me at the expense of others. And as a Jesus follower, I think I need to speak up. Um, so. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for those words. The same. Also uncomfortable, and uh, for like, I think when you first, when you asked me to do the panel, I was like, yeah, and I was like, well, what's the topic? He said, cultural appropriation. I went, huh, um, yeah. okay. Um, and also, I mean, I, I think, like as a white man, I, there's so much uh, ignorance about the topic. Like, I feel like I knew what it was, and I started doing research, and I was like, it's even more bigger than I uh, thought it was. And um, so it's, definitely happening it happens a lot all the time and it uh, even when it even if the uh, intent is good maybe uh, in the person that's doing its size uh, they maybe see it as like appreciation cultural appreciation or cultural um, like as an art uh, or entertainment but it's I think it's something we have to be more aware of when it's happening or when we see it happening um, but yeah it's it was an eye-opening experience just beyond what I thought I knew about it um, and how often it's happening. But what was the most, just kind of go a little deeper in that. Uh, how often it's happening? What, well, what, what was the most eye-opening one? Well, uh, the, the most eye-opening one, I was uh, listening to a, it was either a YouTube thing or a podcast pulling into the parking lot, and it was about how uh, uh, there was an article written by a black woman about gay men use, like appropriating their culture, which was like, I wasn't even thinking is that as a possibility. I was like, oh no, because I've definitely <laughs> I've done that. And I'm like, I turn my car off. I was like, well, I guess I'll walk in now. But uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll listen to the rest of that. But that was like one that, that was just like one I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even think of that right. Right. at the time. Yeah. It's crazy. Thanks, Luke. Sure. Uh, for, for me, it uh, makes me feel thankful. I mean, because. 
you know, right now, society, everything's kind of coming out. Everybody's getting broadcasted, and, and you can't hide it anymore. And uh, for the longest, things like culture appropriation were pushed behind the scenes for entertainment. And so I'm thankful, you know, I'm thankful for, for um, the opportunity to share and, and, and to help people that want to learn more about different cultures. And um, what's, what, what, what I find really interesting is, 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 is that right now you have, you know, Fox News, you have uh, MSNBC, you have all these news channels that are broadcasting, and you're hearing the term cultural appropriation. And so my response as somebody that loves Jesus is, how do we share life? You know, how do we come alongside someone that didn't know they were appropriating culture? Not say, aha, this is your fault, they'll fix it. It's like, as someone that follows Jesus, I'm here to say, okay, now that you are aware of it, how can I come alongside you? to walk you through this so you can then bounce this and then the next time it's in front of you, you can defend that culture without me being there. So that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's uh, open it up. Let's see what comments, your own experiences, perspectives, <coughs> and then we'll have our panel interact with those particular questions and comments. I'd love to get a more <coughs> concrete example of what appropriation is and when it's happening um, because I hear the term and I think about it very generally and I feel like I'm probably guilty of it but I'm not sure how it works in terms of like is it the media I consume and I should change what media I consume or how I consume it and how I communicate about it um, even if it were just like a handful of okay here's a clear-cut example of like what that person on the podcast was talking about. Like, mm -hmm. what are they doing that's appropriation? And how is it harming the culture that they're appropriating? Like, what is, what's a concrete example of that harm? I'd really like to yeah. get a better picture of it. Yeah. Open anybody. Go ahead. Oh, well, based on Arco, like, yes, Queen, but like, Y A S S S S S. Yeah. That would be one quick example, but. Maybe the first time Yas Queen has been said in our rooms. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to say it as uh, wide as possible. Yes. Well, can I interact with that? And so if that's an example of it, obviously, like, so that appropriated from one culture, and now, like, you have the TV series Queer Eye, where they're saying that a lot. And now I hear people saying it a lot, that now it's like a third level review. Yeah, it's been so it, twice. So is that a, a harmful sharing? Like, we should, I should be avoiding that. I mean, we may have different things on that. What's the harm happening in that kind of like sharing of a, of a phrase? I'll be honest, like that's one thing that I was most nervous about being on the panel. I still sometimes am ignorant myself on like where the harm lies. And so like I'm here, to, I would like to be open, like uh, edified on that, but it's, uh, because sometimes I do, it's hard, I think, to find, to show the harm, and I think that, uh, but that doesn't mean it's not there. It just means I'm, I want to be shown where that is. Um, I, because I think sometimes if it's, if the, the will and the, the intent behind it is to, uh, 
in their mind, show appreciation or respect or honor, whatever that might be, that is not definitely what is coming across. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of clearer examples where, like, that maybe something would offend me, or uh, but doesn't, and uh, but that's not. I'm just one person, so. I can sweet. I think there's a really. It's a great question, and and I think uh, so. I. I read the definition of cultural appropriation uh, yesterday. I was just doing a bit of reading so I could educate myself a little more. And so there, there are two main elements that stuck to me. One is the power dynamic, um, and two is the harm. And so those are, from what I've read, those are two big elements. So I have a seven-year-old son, um, and he goes to elementary school, and, and he was supposed to, other kids, were, they had this dress-up day where they were supposed to dress up as their favorite book character. Okay, and my my son loves all things Native American. Um, it really upsets. I've explained to him a little bit of the history, and he is very upset on the behalf of, of Native Americans, the, the history there. And he actually really identifies with the Native Americans, and it makes him upset. And his favorite character is um, uh, 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 Indian in the cupboard. I think is a boy, and it, he wanted to dress up as this Native American. And my wife and I are like, okay. We wanted to do it in such a way where we didn't want to. We wanted to honor his, you know, his appreciation, right? And we didn't want to, you know, tell him no. But at the same time, we don't want to. We didn't want to enable him to make a caricature out of uh, of things that are Native American, and specifically, you did a little reading, and there are their spiritual significance to part of the headdress and whatnot, and so um, we kind of gave him a time period specific outfit I found on Amazon, um, but we didn't do a headdress or anything like that, and so we enabled him to dress kind of as a general time period Native American and gave him information, but we didn't um, dress him up with the spiritual significance. Because really, I think there would be harm there uh, if we took some, you know, like the cross, right? The cross is something sacred to us. And I think if a non-Christian were using the cross out of context for just a dress-up, you know, there could be some harm. And so that was, the, the I guess, maybe a practical instance there. Um, as far as language goes, I mean, that's a hard one. Yeah. And that is a really hard one. Mm -hmm. And honestly, man, I just defer to that group. And if the, the group is saying, hey, when you say these certain words or do these certain things or wear these certain things, and that causes me harm, okay. And I'm, I take that and I'll move on. I don't take that as an infringement upon my rights to be able to, and I'm just, I'm just going to go there, okay? I'm not going to use the N-word. And you know what? I, that doesn't infringe upon my rights. I'm not going to fight for that right to use that language. And I feel the same way about people saying, well, I really don't want you to wear a headdress because, okay, I'll respect that. Um, so. I think it just it means something to the, the group. And so so yeah. I think what you're seeing is that since everything was, was so in the dark ages and everything was hidden, it's all coming out. So everyone is getting stronger and more willing to voice their, their opinion. So it may be a new group tomorrow that comes out and says, hey, we don't like this. We didn't realize it. So is this going to keep compounding? I think we're at this half-life of this information. Of, it's going to come out, and, it's, and just things are getting more sensitive, and you just have to watch every little thing that you say and do. That's how I feel.
other questions, thoughts, comments? I like your example because if somebody, a seven-year-old kid dressed up like Jesus and carried a cross into the show and tell or something, we'd be like, really? You're, you're Jesus carrying a cross? Like if, he, if his parents made a wooden cross, <laughs> we'd just be like, that's kind of on the borderline of, because it's a seven-year-old kid, even if he says he appreciates it, does he really understand the depth of what that means? For a believing Christian, so I guess trying to put it, put ourselves in the same situation to like the headdress thing. I think that's a good example. Uh, another piece is too. So uh, one of my bosses, uh, her name is Debbie Booker. She's still in Metro Schools. She was my direct boss, and um, became very close with her. One of the most enjoyable people I've ever worked with. And she had dreadlocks. She's a black woman had dreadlocks, and we uh, we had a conversation about that. And she, because <clears throat> I said, man, I said, well, I love your hair, man. It just, and so we got into this conversation. She said, yeah. She's like, when my husband told me, he said, you can go to work like that? They're going to let you um, have dreadlocks? And, and I said, what are you talking about? I was totally ignorant. That totally ignorant. She said, yeah. She's like, you know, I've been places before told I couldn't have dreadlocks. That that wasn't professional. And but then there's an experience where uh, a non-black person, like maybe a white woman, would have dreadlocks, and people say, "Oh, that's so fashionable. I love your hair, right?" Um, and I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't even know that it was existed. And um, I'm really glad that I could be cognizant of that. And so I don't think there's, I mean, personally, I don't see that there's, a, there's anything wrong with somebody necessarily having dreadlocks. At the same time. You gotta be cognizant of, 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 of history and of those conversations and things going on. Um, yeah, I, I think. Good. Good. What else? What other kind of comments, questions, your own experiences? Yeah. I have a quick question. Uh, you said that you looked up the definition, and I'm sure I can Google it real quick. But what was the definition of uh, cultural appropriation? Because I've heard it used positively and negatively, and so I'm just like, I don't know anything about the power dynamic. As, I plead ignorance. As, as I remember, the interwebs said that it has to do with when the majority group co-ops or uses uh, something uh, from the minority group uh, as their own to their benefit um, and to the detriment of the minority group, um, as I recall. In terms of positively, I, I'm thinking of specifically um, music. Uh, like, basically, white people co opted uh, the blues and turned it into rock and roll. And uh, I mean, the, the roots of all of the music that I like can be traced back uh, to, to black and African music. I mean, that's. And it is a recognizing you know where those things came from it's it's created something that's beautiful um, and so I I guess that's that's where I've heard it used in a positive sense where I've heard it used in a, a negative sense um, and then I'm sure that you know, some people would say that that was a negative that it was you know stolen from, uh, from black people but I, I, I guess where I've heard it used in a negative sense is um, for instance he, he was talking about like uh, 
a white girl or a white guy or somebody have dreadlocks and like that having a, some sort of significance um, that I don't even know about, but um, you know, just it's it's almost like uh, once a certain group of people takes it over, it becomes okay where it wasn't okay to the minority group. Uh, so those are the two examples that I can think of. Can I say Oh yes, yeah. please. Oh, well, your first example, that is a positive though, because it was stolen, and that group never gave the respect or the, the uh, supported that group, and they just super, they just took it over. And so all of that is negative. I've never heard of a, I don't know, I'm, I'm sorting it through myself. And uh, recently, I went to a concert, <clears throat> and I actually saw it on Grammy too, when Celine Dion sang, A Change Is Gonna Come. I'm sorry, but that ticked me off. <laughs> and I was wondering, why is this ticking me off so bad? And then I went to a concert here at, um, a couple weeks ago to see Indy Irene and the Fistubilly Singers. And they had an opening act, and the girl got up there first, she sang, When I, um, looking back on when I was a little nappy-headed boy, this girl is white, moan, <laughs> Give me a break. And then she sang her second song was A Change Is Gonna Come. I was give me a break, people. But why am I feeling that? That is not, I mean, it, it, that, those songs do belong to my culture. And maybe with, with Selena Dion, she did change some of the lyrics. But I would have liked an explanation or a, the reason why I'm doing this song is because blah, 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 blah. That tells me I have thought about this. I respect this music. Mm -hmm. I am honoring the people, da, 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 all of that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm, you know, and I did not hear that from um, Elvis Presley or all those folks. You know, you never heard that. Mm -hmm. And even, and some today. So, because I get, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old school and I know our music was the best music that you guys are <laughs> sampling everything because it makes your, you know, I'm, yes, no, but anyway. <laughs> By Harry Thomas Jr. So Harry grew up in New Orleans, and he, I think he's respectful of appreciating yeah. culture. I think he's a good example, possibly. I don't know what anyone else thinks, but I think he gives a lot of respect to the people who taught him that music. And he was in the bars when he was a young boy, in the you know listening and learning how to play. And I think he is definitely respectful of the culture where he learned. I really appreciate what you had to say there, and I think that that, that really resonated with me, given the credit, and, and sometimes the financial credit too, I think, you know, in, in this capitalistic society, you know, in which, in which we live, like, it's not just a, hey, pat on the back, hey, I got these lyrics from Lead Betty, Lead, Lead, Lead okay, I'm just I'm getting anxious here, Lead Belly, thank you. Um, <clears throat> it's it's I think there's some financial consideration you know to be paid as well <clears throat> Led Zeppelin <clears throat> you know um, but like where does that money go like in that like where, who do you think or who like be or who do you financially give that money to do you think it's not it's with a with I mean, culture it's and, owned by a culture it's not owned by uh, there's no specific group like with songs there's songwriters like with but like I'm glad you said that I'm glad you said that 
Um, and so, but I think that, that that's used as an excuse to not do anything. Oh, yeah. I'm, not, and and I'm so, just asking, like, yeah. practically, though, what is... I could probably give you a list of half a dozen different organizations okay. that, you know, that would help, you know, folks from that particular culture. Right. Um, and so, pick any one of those. Gotcha. You know, I would say don't get caught up in, well, oh, I've got to give it to the right... Just give it. Just do it. And um, one of the... So, Eminem. So, I watched this little documentary about Eminem. And from what I, from what I, you know, this, 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 from what I watched in this YouTube uh, video, Eminem's very well respected within the rap community, uh, for the most part. Um, and um, Iggy Azalea is not. And you know, the question is, yeah. question is, what are some differences Whoa. there? How much time you got? I think music is is the best example of what what you're looking for. That's that's really what this comes down to. And in the music, in the in the compensation, is really where all this yeah. is really hairy and really sensitive. Because you see, you've seen generations of musicians that have not made anything that I know that their tone, their cadence. Their writing style has been mimicked and mocked, and groups have made millions. And so, I think going forward, as as culture appropriation gets this name, and and if one of us in this room that knows about it, that is educated about it, that's in a position to make right, do so. Like bring it up when you're in the meeting room with just all white guys, and someone brings, hey. I heard this song in East Asheville by these kids that went to Stratford, they were all black, they were doing this. And it gets there and it's recorded and it's, but there's never any trail back. That kind of stuff happens. Mm -hmm. People go and listen and they find cuts and they still, like I had a friend of mine um, who's, who wrote a big song uh, here in Nashville um, and it got to New York and they recorded it and he sued them, but it was, they, they heard him in a club here. So it happens. And so I think, back to my opening, I'm thankful that this is a conversation because now there shouldn't be any excuse because now it's out there. Now you are intentionally doing it because you know the definition of this. And if you do, and if you do otherwise, then shame on you. So I'm going to throw one more thing out here and then we'll start to land our plane today is does this kind of thing happen even within our churches and even within how we think about faith? I mean, even our own faith of Christianity is totally from somewhere else. True? Not incorrect? Theologian in the room? <clears throat> Jewish culture? Sure, yeah. <laughs> what would it be like if you had a Passover... As a Christian group, let's have a Passover. Some Jewish people will be like, no. You can no. Go, if somebody, a Jewish person invites you to their house to celebrate Passover, you can do that. But don't have your own Passover Seder to mine it for uh, thoughts about Jesus. That would, that would be an example. Some Jewish people do not like Christian Seder services. Mm -hmm. um, they that <laughs> I mean, and even I mean, I would even say you see that happening in some predominantly white churches, let's say, 
that would say, well, we want to do a gospel song within our service. Is that, I'm just throwing the question out there, is that, where does, where do we, where does the, how does that fit within this and the conversation that we're having right now? So, to all of that, yeah. I went to Harding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I went to so Harding. I went to Harding too. There too. <laughs> we had um, quite a different experience. <laughs> you, you, you would think so. Your, your judgment is, yeah. I didn't choose to go there. My parents, my, my dad basically said, uh, I'll support you. You can come back and visit our, my house if you go to Harding. If you don't, you're on your own. So you look. So, so you made the right choice. <laughs> well, whatever. Anyway, I went to Harding. And so there's a guy there named, there's a guy there named Terry. And uh, Terry led singing very often. Terry was a black guy. And um, there were certain, one particular gospel song. He just wouldn't lead. He's just like, I'm just, I just don't want to lead the song. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. And it was, um, doing a little research, where do you think that song came from? Oh, I know. <laughs> what do you think that, it came from slaves. Yes. And why were they singing that song? And so to have a, a big group of people, right, that are singing this song um, that was written by, I mean, you get, you get where I'm going. That's just, um, that was, and I think so some of the, these spirituals um, that were written as enslaved people, um, there's some sacredness there. And to... Hey, let's sing this one now. You know that doesn't that that, that doesn't seem to hold the sacredness with which the songs were written to me. Potentially, I like that example because what it means is um, we have separated ourselves, and just like Harden is a predominantly white organization, uh, white institution, Southwestern down the road is predominantly black, but had those groups and churches and on the rural and the cities everywhere where had we all accepted one another and then worshiping together then your songs would be my songs and my songs would be your songs because when you hear people talk about black history it's not black history it's all about us you just happen to be over here when this stuff was happening because your eyes were towards you whatever but god did not mean for us to to operate in sections like that. We do that to ourselves. And so we deal with this kind of problem with cultural appropriation because we have set up systems that have separated us so that we cannot blend. We cannot, I won't know your story unless I sit down and talk to you and look you in the eye. Somebody said, uh, if you, uh, you can't call a person a friend if they haven't been to your home and you haven't been to theirs. You know, if I don't stop and talk to you, you don't talk to me, we just see each other at church, blah, 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 blah. We always have these kinds of discussions because we have selected to separate ourselves and our stories, mainly our stories. Because when I hear your story, then I'll tell you my story and we're connected more. And so that's too simple. And this may be a disconnect, but this is the Donald Trump subject. So um, for 10 years in teaching uh, school, I was usually the white guy in the room. Um, and um, one of the things that I realized is that in, um, in the white world, so to speak, there is no white world. There is no white community. If I walk into a room and I see another white dude, there's not like a common experience necessarily that I have with that person. But with my black friends, 
from what I understand, if and they've never met, you walk in and they look at each other like, okay, we get you. Like, there's a common experience. You know, we go down, it's like, okay, we, That's we, got, right. we know how to get out of this situation. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Dave Chappelle ready. actually. You read it. You're like, all right. Yeah, Dave Chappelle actually tells the joke when he walks in, you know, to a bus and he sees this other black dude and something's going down. They look at each other and they're like, okay, I got you. But I don't have that. And so there's not necessarily this white experience or this white community and where there is, I think, in, in the black community, and so in, with white people, I don't really identify with, with that, and so I don't think about um, a, a, a spiritual, and because I don't have an equivalent. Can I ask a question? Does intent ever matter? I, like, for like example, um, is there any middle ground? Like, with you brought up the Passover, Christians and the Passover. Right? Is there any? Does intent ever matter? Um, as well thought out or well intended as it may be, is it always wrong? I don't know the answer to this last question. It's a question. That's a good question. What do you think, George? Well, when that intent, intent matters. Right. It definitely matters, but it may not matter enough enough to make it okay. It, it, I guess it depends on the group that feels harmed by it. As Robinson, they say if you're even though your intentions are good, it hurts us in some way. You have to be respectful of that. You have to be willing to look for it. Like you, you, when you tell the story about your son with a custom officer, you'd be good if he had had a friend, a Native American, then you can run this by. But in, I think if you do research, if you try your best to do research and talk to somebody different or from that culture, then you can figure out how they feel and that will help you make your judgment. Yeah, and I'm saying that in that in that particular case, it's okay. You in any kind of metropolitan area area have access to meeting a Jewish person. Mm -hmm. There are Jewish synagogues in most of your major metropolitan areas, so it's like I have an opportunity if I'm really desiring to connect to something that is within that culture to take the lead and say, let me go make a friend. Mm -hmm with one of my Jewish friend brothers or sisters and say, hey, I want to do this. Help me do this in the but most... But even then, like, one, sure. you know, one Jewish person might be sure. okay or unoffended. One might be. So yeah. even then, it's, I think, still a risky game of why I found one person that is a friend of mine who's okay with it, but right. it, that, you know, doesn't... Uh, I still think it's just a... Like this is too short of a conversation. Like to have, like sure. it's just it can go on. Uh, well, I mean, uh, the, the great example I'll share is that when some, especially when like a white person, they say, "Oh well, my my black friend, they, it's okay if I say the N word without the ER or whatever, right?" I'm so okay. Time out. So here's where you gotta understand: if I'm the only black person mm -hmm. in the group of mostly white friends. And if my key underlining thing that most humans have is that I want to belong. Mm -hmm. So my high thing is I want to belong to whatever group that I'm a part of. Because this is where I find myself. So if the group says, is it okay if we say this to the one black person in the group? If he wants to continue to belong, what's the guy going to say? Sure. I guess I'll just have to tolerate that if I want to continue to belong. I can say no, but guess what? I probably won't get to belong in the way that I'm belonging to this group right now. 
And so that puts it on that person to say, okay, well, at least that's what, that's kind of where, I, and, it, and Jeff may have a different perspective on that, but that's kind of what my, my thing for most people is that they want to belong. And if you are other, if you are the minority in the group, and they come to you and say, can I, can we, you can say, okay, I'm going to like say no and just deal with however that rolls out. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to say yes and like I'm now even more deep into the belonging of this particular group. Well, I'm just going to say no. <laughs> oh, well, sure. I'm going to say I, I, no. I, I'm just going to say yeah. no. But, but in that case, when you're when you kind of put in that situation and you're the in the sole per person, and I, and I and I can see it. Like I grew up, you know, in, in East Nashville, where you know some, some of the white guys I grew up with, man, they they grew up the same way I did, you know. And but they didn't say it, right? You know, mm -hmm. but they didn't say it. Mm -hmm. it. It was kind of an unspoken rule. Like you just knew. I mean, even if we were listening to, you know, whatever rap was out at the time, like they just knew. Like when we came up in the song, they just skipped over, right. you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just like because they were in the culture, they understood not only the rap lyrics were good, but they also understood like we didn't want to hear that coming out of their mouth. Period. Nobody right. if it was cool or not. Right. So and, and so what happens a lot of times you have someone from the outside of the culture that is looking at the culture and saying, Oh man, that's cool. I really I've been listening to this music, but then I'm gonna go hang out. When I start hanging out, I'm going to talk like that, too. Yep. And that, it's not going to happen. You have a comment real fast? Yeah. yeah. Like, we, like he was saying, um, in songs, like, I skip over that word as well as cuss words. I don't say any of those words. But, like, I have a predominantly black friend group. And then there's, like, me and, like, one other white guy. And they're completely fine with, like, him saying stuff like that. So, like, that's just, like, the opposite of what you were saying. Uh -huh. where they're trying to feel accepted. So I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. Yeah. Okay. In middle school, I was, I grew up in, in South Dallas, uh, in areas probably like Antioch. My best friend was from India. Our other friend, Rodney, he was black, and we had a lot of Hispanic friends. And uh, my proudest moment in middle school was when I got called the uh, Because, um, but, but it was my friends who were black, and they said that in conjunction with my name, because I made fun of somebody. We were just uh, making fun of each other. And it was really funny. And they were like, ah, Josh be scoring, you know. And, and so it was funny. And so it made me feel a part of it. But like Jeff said, I don't know, man. I just knew, like, that was never a part of my... There are very few words in language that have nothing positive to them. Nothing. Not a po That word has nothing positive to it. Only pain, only hurt. And um, so why would I... I just don't see a context in which I would use that. Um, so that 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 is just cut and dry for me. And it's sad. I mean, it's sad. People say oh. it. And, I mean, there's and I've heard it said, and it's, it make, it still makes me feel uncomfortable. Even if I'm yeah. in the group and we know this guy, he's from around the way, it's, and he says it, I'm still like, eh. no. But everyone else is cool with it. I don't say anything. But I'm just like, mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable with it. So it just depends, man. Um, you're doing the right thing. So much. <laughs> One, okay. Um, your comment about black history and everybody's history, I, I was sensitized to that recently because we have like black theology uh -huh. and Latin American theology, uh -huh. and if it, then we have just theology, which is really white theology, but it's uh -huh. not called white theology. All the other ones have labels, but 
majority theology doesn't have a label. And, and so you got to be sensitized to, well, it is, we just call it theology, but it was really white man theology. Um, and so the history thing is, is an interesting example of that. How, you know, it's black history, but it's just what's, our, what's just history. Is this history white history? If you deny it, you so, know about it. It yeah. wasn't there. So just being sensitized to the fact that we all have a culture, and even if we're the majority culture, it's still a culture that we're coming from the other cultures here. All right, give up a round of applause, sustain them. So, here's the thing. You have such wonderful things to talk about in your Easter lunches with all your family and friends. <laughs> hey, thanks again for being here. We'll Thank see you, you next week. Happy Easter. Thanks for being here.